So we've been talking about spiritual discipline for the last two or three weeks and we introduced that subject and we had the picture of the old dilapidated gym and we said, you know, what about our spiritual life and the spiritual discipline that we have and the exercise that we get? What would our gym look like? Would it look like that old dilapidated gym that we had the picture of up on the screen or would it look like a new, clean, glisten gym because we're using it constantly in our daily lives? And so we talked about different subjects of spiritual discipline. Danny talked about fellowship and we've talked about some other things. And this morning we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline of giving. Dusty and Kent talked about it on the way over here and they said, well, they boiled it all down to it's all about the heart. And I said, well, y'all are exempt from the sermon this morning then because that really is, in my estimation, what it really ends up being all about. But when you think about giving, we're not just talking about when the collection plate's passed on Sunday morning, how much money you might put into the, to the collection plate. Because giving is a subject that's talked about in the Bible in a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. It's talked about and mentioned over 2,700 different times in the Bible. The Bible talks more about us giving than it talks about love, if you could believe that. So the Bible talks about how we as Christians are supposed to act when it, when it comes to this concept of giving. So we want to talk a little bit about the basics of giving and then maybe some principles that are found in the uh, Bible. Then we want to go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the reading of the morning. And we want to kind of look through that chapter of what was going on there at Corinth and some of the things that were going on with that church, how they were perceived in the brotherhood and some things that they were uh, uh, Attempting to do there in Corinth and some good things that were coming from that. Then we'll kind of wrap it all up at the end and we'll talk about maybe some personal examples. I had a, a, one of the ladies at work walked into my office this week and she said, I understand that you know a lot about the Bible and maybe do some preaching. She said, I've got a question. She said, is 10% how much I'm supposed to give at church on Sunday? And I said, what an apropos. I said, that question is so apropos because guess what I'm talking about on Sunday morning. So we talked a little bit and I gave her a little bit of advice and I'll share that with you at the end if, uh, if I remember when we circle back around to it. But when you think about the basics, I think about Psalms chapter 50 and verse number 9. It says, I have no need of a bull from your stalls or of a goat from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. And this is God talking here. And so first of all and foremost, to get our minds wrapped around this subject of giving, we've got to realize that the possessions that we have aren't ours. Everything is owned by God. We get that in our mind, and this was, a, this was a tipping point for me in my Christian walk. When we get that in our mind, that everything I've got is God's, it's not mine, then things start to change in the way you deal with those possessions and the way that you use those possessions. In 1 Peter chapter 4 it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. In various forms. So we're to use the gifts that we receive to serve others. We're in management. We're not in ownership. We don't own these possessions. 
all God has given us is the ability to use them to serve other people. And then lastly, a, a, a scripture that we all recognize, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I was preaching out of the NIV version this morning because uh, it was clearer on some of these uh, topics. But it says that we're going to appear before the judgment seat for the things done while in the body. So we're going to give an account of everything that we've done here on this earth and how we've used the possessions that God has given us is one of those things. So when we set the basics, when we set the overarching framework of the, of the lesson of the morning, the first thing we need to realize is that everything that we have is God's. Second of all, He gave it to us to serve other people. And thirdly, He's going to hold us accountable for how we do those things. So we could sit down and the sermon could be over, but it's not. But that's the basics of this concept of giving. So if we get that in our mind, then some of these other things that we're going to talk about this morning and the way those things flow will make a lot more sense to us. So um, we will give an account as the last uh, point there. So some giving principles. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse number 10 says, Give generously to Him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all, that you, in all your work and in everything you put your hands to. So the first principle is we need to have that proper heart. It's what Dusty and Kent talked about this morning. We've got to be of the proper mind. We've got to do so without a grudging heart. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse number 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced. So it's okay, and your heart naturally will be happy about the things that you give. That's just going to be a natural result of you having a good heart and giving to other people. You're going to feel good about that. And that's natural. And that's okay. Proverbs 21 says, The righteous gives and does not hold back. So the right thing to do, the righteous thing to do, the Christian thing to do, is for us to give and to not hold back. Proverbs 28 and verse number 27 says, He who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. It's not okay not to give. The Bible says you're going to have many curses if you shut your eyes and ignore the people that are in need, that need your time, energy, talent, money, whatever the things are that you possess, that you could help them with and you could serve them with. Matthew chapter 6, verse beginning in verse number 3. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, as your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the, the last principle on this page is, while we can feel good about it, and that's okay, it's nothing to brag about. Now, uh, David read this morning in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul talked about some bragging, and we'll talk about that when we get to that, uh, that scripture. <clears throat> but for us as individuals that give, it's not okay to brag about what it is that we give. 
Those things should be just what we're expected to do. We're just taking some stuff that the Lord gave us and we're moving it on to somebody that needs it worse than we do. That's what we're here for. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury and how many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say unto you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty. But in all she owned, all she had to live on. So it's not the amount. It's the amount, right? It's not, hey, I put in $5. It's $5 is all I had, and I put in $5. It's not, I put in $10,000, and $10,000 is a lot of money. But if you've got millions, ten thousands of dollars is not a lot of money. So it's not about the dollar amount. It's about the amount of the heart in the giving. It's about what's coming from here as you're making that offering. The poor widow gave everything that she had into the treasury. Everything she had. Her percentage was 100%. We'll talk about the rich young ruler in a minute. But that's what God asked of him. I need you to give 100%. And he wasn't able to do it. Luke chapter 6. Given it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So we sing the song about give, 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 and it shall be given unto you. That comes out of this, this verse in Luke. Luke here, through the Holy Spirit, is, is teaching us that this giving nature, if you have this giving nature, if you have it, it's going to be given to you. The Lord's going to bless you with the things that you need if, you are, if you're a giver. And if you're taking care of the needs of other people. Acts chapter 20. In everything I showed you that by, work, by working hard in this manner you must help the weak. And remember the works, words of the Lord that He Himself said it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we need to help the weak. In Romans chapter 12. Or he who exhorts an exhortation, he who gives with liberality. So we are to give abundantly. So we're talking about some principles as we're thinking about giving. And I recognize it's just like one scripture after another. But the Bible is so full of scripture on giving. And the Bible is so directive of how we are to go about doing that giving. And how we're to feel about that giving. And how we're... And so giving is the opposite of materialism. And so one of my struggles has always been materialism. If you know me, you know I like nice things. That's just something I struggle with. That's just something I struggle with. You know, I've got a nice truck. I've got a nice house. I like nice things. And so for me, this lesson, Dusty said, Dusty gave me a huge uh, compliment last Sunday. He said, I'm glad you're giving this sermon because you're one of the most giving people I know. That shocked me that that was his impression of me. Because I see myself as somebody that spends a lot of money on stuff for me. I see myself as selfish and materialistic. I appreciate the compliment. I'm not sure that I can live it. 
But that's what giving does. Giving turns our mind away from the things that are of this earth and the things that don't mean anything and focuses, focuses us on people, on God's people, on the needs of others. And that's what's important. That's what's vital. Because at the end of the day, all this gets burned up. The only thing we can take to heaven are our brothers and sisters and our family. And we've got to do whatever it takes using our time, our talent, our money, whatever, our abilities to help our brothers and sisters get there. Whatever that takes. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I appreciate the reading of it this morning. So kind of setting the stage there, Paul had been communicating with the Corinthian brethren about this need in Judea. The churches in Judea were very poor. The churches over in Corinth, these, these port cities, and they had more money. And the church at Corinth had apparently made a pretty uh, large commitment to that work. And so Paul here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is basically saying, I'm sending some folks ahead to help you guys organize and collect all of this stuff that you've promised for Judea because I've been bragging about this to everybody else, to the churches in Macedonia. I've been talking to them. I've been telling them about what you guys have promised to do and are hoping to do. And it has stirred them up. It has stirred them up. They're trying to help more now too. And so this is the story that's going on there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as he writes as he writes this to them. And, he's, he, and so let's just kind of go through that and see if we can pick up some principles from that. In verse number 2 it says, For I know your eagerness to help and have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, since last year you in a in, a, in Achaia were ready to give and your enthusiasm your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action <clears throat> so a couple of things there number one as I said he'd been boasting about it to the uh, about Achaia and what they were going to give to the Macedonians for over a year so one of the things that I take from that is that here we're talking about a church, but I think it would apply to individuals as well, is that your, your giving and the church's giving can be an example to other people. It can be something that stirs them up to do the right things, to have a spiritual discipline of giving because of your spiritual discipline of giving. Now, Michael will... Michael tells uh, Matt and I, and, and he shared this at business meetings before, that this Denton church has a reputation in the brotherhood for meeting the needs of people that have needs. That if there's a preacher out there that needs something, if there's a family that's hurting, if there's a church that needs to be built, if there's work that needs to go on in India, if a well needs to be built, whatever those things are, if there's evangelists that need to be supported, this church has a reputation in the brotherhood for meeting those needs. And that's a great reputation, and I'm, that's, that's great for each of us. Because that's just like this church here in Corinth. He's telling the Macedonians about everything that's going on in Corinth and the great work that they're able to do through their giving. So, you know, thanks be to God that we're able to do those things here. And that's good praise for us. But again, don't let it go to our heads, right? We've got a lot of work to do. <clears throat> So he, the first thing we can learn here is your giving is an, can be an example to others, both as an individual and as the church. And the second thing is that they were eager to give. They were enthusiastic about the opportunity to do it. Their heart was in the right place. In verse 3 and 4 it says, But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this manner should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready. 
and as I said, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So he's basically saying, you know, I don't want us to fall on our face in this great endeavor that we're that we're trying to do. I don't want, you know, I don't want there to be any surprises. But things that I like to point out here is that you may be ready that you don't find yourself unprepared. So I don't think it's wrong to forecast or to think about and to plan in advance your giving. And I'm now I'm talking specifically maybe about what you give here, but I'm also talking about your giving of talent and time and all of that. If you've got the talent and the ability to reason God's Word then budget some time to hold some Bible studies. There are homes here in this church that would like to have Bible studies in them that we can't get enough folks in their homes to have them. So if you've got that ability, let that be known. If you've got the ability to give money, if you've got the ability, whatever those abilities were. You know, a couple of months ago, we filled out the sheets, the SWOT analysis that said, what are your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats? Go back to that. Think about what were your strengths and what are the opportunities that you have to serve? Don't let those just be things that were written down on a piece of paper. Put those things into action. And the heart will be better because of it. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one who grudgingly given. <clears throat> so again, they had the right attitude... But he wanted to send and make an advance and, 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 and again, plan this thing out, be ready, so that at the end it didn't come as, oh, I, got, I promised I'd give it. <laughs> he wanted that to go a lot smoother. He didn't want to rush right up to the end of this big gift that needed to be gathered up and then it'd be a burden on everybody that would promise to give it. So he wanted to, he, he wanted to plan that out and make it go smooth. And, uh, and allow them to keep the right attitude. Remember this, whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whosoever sows generously will also reap generously. For, for each of you should uh, give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. Now that verse gives me a little bit of pause because I don't believe that God has promised that if I give everything away, He's going to reward me with ten times that much. We have brothers and uh, or we have preachers, not necessarily brothers in the faith, but preachers that will preach that. You send me a check, and the Lord's going to send you ten times as much as as much money. I don't think that's necessarily what He means when He said He's going to reward us generously. I think there are some intangible rewards to giving, and we've talked about that. We've talked about what it does for our heart. We've talked about... It'll come up here in a minute. So reward is proportional. God loves a cheerful giver. We've talked about the comfort and the peace that we get from giving. We've talked about how that makes us feel. That's a generous reward that God gives us for having given. We've talked about a little bit about the fact that we can reflect on that later. We can think about and we can and we can see how that gift that we've given has multiplied in the hearts of people that we've given it to. You can think about, so you can reflect on that today. We took up Fifth Sunday contributions and we sent it to Houston for Justin. I get a little emotional about this. And we sent it to Houston for Justin. So you can think back on that and you can think as the family received that gift, 
how, how precious that was for them. Justin's gone now, but the family was able financially to be in a better position because of what we were able to do. You can reflect on that, and you can feel good about that. That's an intangible gift that God gives us for being generous in our giving. <clears throat> We're rewarded abundantly in comparison to what we're giving. We're just giving away the possessions that God had graced us with anyway. So that reward in comparison is, is, is in our heart is in much more in abundance. And finally, it tells us that in the end, we're going to get a, a, a tangible reward. In the end, we get the tangible reward. I can't promise you that you're going to get a tangible reward necessarily here on this earth for your giving. But in the end, you will receive something that's very tangible. And that is a home with God in heaven for having done what we're supposed to do with the possessions that God gave us. In verse number 11, uh, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So first of all, it tells us here that riches equal opportunity. That when we're rich and when we have, when we have things to give, that equals opportunity. We ought to be looking for opportunities to use those blessings. And then it says that generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God. So this generosity equals thanksgiving. So when I give to another brother that's in need, that brother will go, thanks for the gift and thank the Lord for the generosity of what was given to him. So it's, it's a win-win. Everybody gets a win and everybody gets lifted up. Generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, he sums all this up and he says, Command, not suggest, not ask, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So those of us that have possessions and, and again... Rich is a subjective term. Everyone in this room is probably in the richest 5% in the world. If you've, got a, if you've got a mode of transportation and a place to live, you're in the richest 5% in the world. Now some of us within the, within the church here might have more possessions or money than others, but you're rich. So this is for everybody. Don't get hoity. Don't don't get arrogant about your possessions. Um, there's a there's a fellow that I listen to sometime. I know Michael's a, or at least used to be a fan of him. His his name is uh, Chan, Francis Chan. Francis Chan built a church called the Cornerstone Church in Simi Valley, California, and it started in his house about thirty people. 
And he built it to, it's a, it was a mega church, thousands of members, you know, millions of dollars ran through that church every year. Huge church. And he walked away from it and gave it to the elders and said, you know, I've, I've, I've established it. You guys are in control. You know, take it. I'm, I'm done. And he did that because he went to Africa. He made a trip to Africa. And he saw the needs in Africa. And he realized that I can write books and I can hold seminars and I can teach people and I can make a lot of money. And I can put all that money into a charity and I can build schools in Africa and I can build hospitals in Africa. So he got out of his... He got out of his riches. He sold his house. He's now in a much smaller home. He went to his wife and he said, he said, I just feel like God's calling us to get rid of all these riches and to downsize. You need to go to Africa. You need to go and you need to see what I've seen. And she said, honey, I love you. I trust that if that's the way you feel, we can make that work. And so they sold their home. They moved to San Francisco. He's, he's working, um, he's ministering on the streets directly. Now, I'm not holding him up as some, you know, somebody to be awed or, you know, Christ is our example. But I am telling you that, that there's a long, there's a, when you come to that realization that everything that you've got on this earth is not really yours, that it's God's and you need to be, you need to figure out how to use it, things change in the way that you spend the money, in the way that you spend your time, in the things that are important to you, in the, in the time that you spend with your brothers and sisters. It changes your entire spiritual discipline, not only in giving, but in fellowship and all the other things, the prayer, everything that we're going to be talking about in this spiritual discipline series. It changes your life. <clears throat> when his wife went to Africa... She came back and she said, Honey, I think we can downsize even further. So I don't even know if they've got a home anymore. I don't, I don't keep up with the guy. He's going to be in Dallas in September uh, holding a seminar. I'm, I might get to might have an opportunity to go and talk to him. I don't know. But somebody that I think, at least from the heart side, has got it as far as giving goes. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayer for you, their heart will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift as we finish up uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I think that's just a principle that your gifts reach further than you know. You know, we know that we paid for a well to be built in India. That's really all we know. What we don't know is the individual stories of the lives that that changed. Our, our, we, don't, we just can't see that far. We can't reach that far. We don't have that first-hand knowledge of exactly what's going on. Our gifts reach further... <coughs> Oops. Oh, I went way too far back. Hold on a second.
All right, so some giving principles kind of circling back around. Our, our gifts reach further. It also was underlined there in that, uh, in that paragraph that they were going to be prayed for because of their generosity. And that's something that I had mentioned before. So Luke chapter 18 is the story of the rich young ruler. So the rich, young, run, run, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, You know, Master, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus starts giving him all these commandments that were found in the Old Testament that are uh, good for us in the New Testament. He said, You know, do all of these things. And the rich young ruler said, Man, I've kept them from the time I was a little kid. I've got it. He said, Well, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And it says, the rich young ruler went away sorrowful, for he had much possessions. And so I struggle with that story. I've had people ask me, well, does that mean that you can't be rich and go to heaven? I don't think that's what it teaches. I don't think it teaches the rich can't get to heaven, because the Bible clearly says you can. I don't think it, uh, I don't think it teaches that you necessarily have to be penniless, that you've got to sell everything that you own. But I do think it teaches the heart story that Dusty and Kent talked about. It teaches the heart story. It teaches that if my heart is focused on the possessions and not what the possessions can do for people that need help, then my heart's focused on the wrong things and I need to sell them and get them out of my life. The Bible tells you if the eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Get rid of the things that offend you, that are keeping you from being the person that you need to be for Christ. And if that's riches, then you need to get rid of them. Or you need to figure out how to use them for God's, for God's glory. Acts chapter 5, another interesting story, Ananias and Sapphira. And as Ananias and Sapphira, they have some land. All the people there in uh, Jerusalem are selling everything they have and they're giving it to the apostles. They're, the Bible says they're having all things in common because the church is under persecution and possessions are being taken away by the government and everything else. They're selling everything and they're converting it and they're, making, they're becoming liquid. They go sell their land and they hold some of the money back and they take some of the money and they give it to the apostles and the the apostles say, is this everything you got for the land? And they say, yeah, that's everything we got for it. They lied, it says, to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost struck them dead. Now, does that say that you've got to sell all your land? You can't be a landowner? No. Is that, does that say you can't own land? No. Does that say that, you know, as a church we need to have all things in common and we can't have possessions outside? No. But what it does say is the heart's got to be right. Don't, don't kid yourself about how much you're giving. Don't think, hey, I'm giving all of this money, when in reality, you're not. Take full accounting of what you're doing and recognize. <clears throat> Wilmer Smith wrote this, Stewardship is God's way of raising people, not man's way of raising money. That's talking about the heart. It's not, it's not a matter of how much money. It's not a matter of the amount. It's the amount. The, the widow. Someone said this, You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. I don't know who said it. I read it somewhere in my, in my studies. We were talking about it Wednesday night at Bible study. Connie mentioned uh, the, the love chapter in Corinthians. And how that 
relates. That you know, if you've got that heart, if you've got that giving heart, if you've got that loving heart, you're going to have a giving heart because they're they're so connected that you can't hardly separate them. So what do I have to give? You've got time, you've got talent, you've got treasure, you've got energy, you've got all these abilities, whatever. I don't know them all, but you've got things. You've, you, you're a creature that's been created in God's own image. You've got abilities and talents and treasure that you can give. Guidelines for giving. Uh, I think it needs to be the very best. Some portion of it needs to be scheduled. The Bible, the Bible teaches us to plan for those things. I think we've talked about that this morning. Other portions may uh, be on an as-needed basis. So what about the girl or guy on the side of the road that's begging or panhandling? We'll work for food. What do you guys think about that? I get asked that a lot at work. We'll pass somebody on the road or something and, and one of the, somebody in there say, Hey, what about that guy? What do you think about that guy or girl? I see a lot of uh, more ladies doing it now. <clears throat> what do we think about that? You know, when I think about that, I cannot get past the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm driving by in my shiny new pickup saying, Be ye warmed and filled, brother. <laughs> I, I just I can't get past that. That hurts. I'll roll down the window and give them money. I, that's just me. I, it doesn't, I, if I've got some money, I'll give it. I do have my limitations. But if I've got a... $20 bill, I'll give him a $20 bill. A 10, a 5, ones, I'll, I'll give it to him. I just, I, I can't get past the Good Samaritan story. I don't want to be in heaven talking to the Lord and say, Hey, dude, did you see my sign? You passed right by me. You didn't help me. People come in the back all the time at the church. And, you know, you guys will point them to Matt or to myself, and that's perfectly okay. But those are opportunities for individuals as well. That doesn't have to be a church deal. It can be. It doesn't have to be. There's opportunities all around for us, for even small amounts of money to make a difference. And I'm not talking about time and talent and everything else that you have. I, I just have a hard time with it. I, I, you know, I, I was at a ball game the other night, and I don't remember which one. I think it was one of the last Mav games of the season. I was sitting there with a buddy of mine. He goes to a Baptist church, but we're, we talk a lot about religion. We talk a lot about church. And there was three guys behind us, and they were yelling and hollering and hooping and using foul language. And finally, Gary turned around to him, and there was a lady sitting beside us and said, Listen, there's a lady sitting here. I need you to tone down the language, if you don't mind. And he said, oh man, we're sorry, we're sorry. If our dad knew that you had to call us down, he would, you know, he'd beat us within that. You know, they were sorry. They recognized that they'd been using language they shouldn't use. And then one of them, somehow we got on this topic of giving, and he said, well, I only carry credit cards because if I see that guy on the side of the road, I don't want there to be any cash in my wallet. So that, you know, that's okay, isn't it? If I don't have the cash to give, then the Lord's not going to hold me accountable to not having given. And then Gary said, well, I don't know, preacher. Why don't you answer that and turn to me? And so those guys started hurrahing me. Come on, yeah, what's the answer? What's the answer? I said, man, I'm not in the judgment business. But I think if you're planning around ways not to have to give, that's, that's a, a far cry from what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about planning opportunities to give, not planning on how we can hold on to the things that God's given us. So, I don't know. It's a question of heart. 
Um, I, I have to do it. Is 10% the right number? That's what the lady asked me at work this week. When somebody, when I think about that, again, I think about this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He were rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, through His poverty, might become rich. So the Almighty God that was in heaven, in, in, a, in a place that we can't even imagine the riches, humbled Himself and came to this earth as a poor carpenter boy, was raised, gave His life for us. And is 10% the right number for us to give back? I don't know. Is 20? Is 50? Is it 100? Are you the rich young ruler? I, I can't answer those questions for you. And that's what I told the young lady that was in my office. I said, it's a, it's a heart thing. How much has the Lord blessed you? What's that? What, what, you know, they're His possessions. How much of it are you? I can't answer it. Wish I could. Wish the New Testament just said, hey, it's 15.5% or you're a sinner. Yeah, it's not in there. It's, it's in here. It's in here. Wish it were. It's a, it's a question my brother-in-law asked me, uh, very similar to the question my brother-in-law asked me. He asked me one time, um, you know, how often do you have to come to church? Where does it say you have to come to church every Sunday and every blah, 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 blah? I said, it doesn't. But let's extend that. Jesus gave His life for the church. The church is His bridegroom. You're part of the church. If you were married to your wife, would you only want to see her one hour a week on Sunday morning? Is that enough? Or would you maybe, hey, I've got an opportunity to see her at 1.30 at the evening service too. I've got an opportunity to be with my wife at Bible studies in the midweek. I've got opportunities. It's, it's a hard question. It's not a commandment question. If you get everything else right, if you get the heart right, those kind of things, how much should I give? How much should I be in the church assembly? How much should I be with my brothers and sisters? All those things kind of take care of themselves. So that's the lesson of the, of the morning on spiritual discipline. I hope it, uh, I hope it um, hit the heart. That was the target, as Dusty and Kent surmised on their way to church this morning. The heart was the subject. I hope it did. If you need the prayers of the church, if there are things in your life that you need help with, if you need to, you know, you need us to pray that uh, your heart will become a more giving heart, those kind of things, we can help with that. If you'd like to become a, a disciple of Christ, if you'd like to become a Christian and uh, start that giving process, we can help with that. If there be one of either case, if you'd sit on the front pews, we'd be glad to serve you as we stand and sing.